Father, this morning we just want to thank you, Father. As we come to the end of another week, Lord. One more week and this month would be over. We just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We come at this hour into thy hands. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us for you alone have the words of life. We have come for life. We have come to learn of you. Teach us. Exhort us. Chastise us. Whatever you want to do, Lord. Do, Father. We surrender our body, our soul, our spirit into thy hands. And we wait, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Remember last week we ended with Galatians 5-7. You ran well. What hindered you? From obeying the truth. Okay. And I guess that line will be heard multiple billion times in heaven. Of all those unfinished houses that reached heaven. Ran for a season and then stopped. That's what Jesus is talking about. Incomplete lives or homes. Who did not honestly allow the Spirit of God to finish the work which he began. He's the author and he's the finisher. But we have to allow him to finish. Yes. Okay. We blame the world. We blame the enemy. But you can't even blame the world. If you don't have the world, you don't have a track to run in. Cannot finish a race without a track. Okay. If you don't have the world, you do not have a track. If you don't have the enemy, you do not have the hurdles to, to overcome. So everything has been placed there by God so that we finish well. Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 17 once again. And then we'll go to today's word. See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. When he's talking about the term days, he's basically talking about the times we live in, the age we live in. Now come to Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. After I have read that three verses, we'll go into NIV also, okay? For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. We must pay more careful attention. That's easier translation to understand. We must pay more careful attention. Therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift 
away. Okay. If last week we saw the great danger of believers is of not being able to endure. We are looking specifically of though you can apply it in the secular realm. We are not interested in the world. We are interested in how the kingdom of God operates. If one of the greatest dangers Jesus warns about people in the last days of every age of not enduring, the second or another great danger is the danger of drifting. The great danger of drifting. Why is it so dangerous? Okay, like those of you, uh, not the ocean so much, though the ocean is there. Ocean also, yes. The rivers. <laughs> I read an account of a sailor, the captain of a ship. I think he was sailing from Cuba. He's, uh, they, they keep their records. Okay. So in his log, he wrote, he, he wrote, um, we sailed at some certain nautical miles per hour for two days and found we hadn't made any progress because there was an undercurrent which was in the opposite direction with the same speed. Cancelled off. Okay, so when the Bible is talking about, be careful about drifting, how do we drift? And if you look at Ephesians 5 where we looked about the days are evil, it's because there is this undercurrent. The undercurrent is the ways of the world in which we are. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. But you cannot escape. How do we escape this undercurrent of the world? It is in our face 24-7. The ideas, the ways, the ideologies. And you know what happens? The undercurrent without us knowing, if you are not careful, it will pull us. And we don't even realize, little by little by little by, we are changing. But we are not primarily changing, if you are not careful, in the ways of God. We are changing in the ways of the world. That's what I'm saying. Be careful. Be, be, be very careful careful. Outwardly the like like it won't be so drastic like COVID comes and life changes. It's not like that. Before that it was very subtle. It's very, very subtle. River looks very calm. Very, very calm. Okay. River looks very calm. Placid. As if nothing is happening. But if the river is calm, it should not be moving. <laughs> but the water is moving. That means underneath there is a current. Yeah, please close the door. There is a current. It looks very, very calm, but there is a current. And the current that is pulling, if you look at the world, it's evil. The word of God says the days are evil. The undercurrent is evil. And we forget sometimes that In this world, which is like a stream where the undercurrent is evil, we are asked to paddle upstream. We are asked to paddle upstream. Otherwise, we'll be carried along. I've heard, we have read, heard, seen so many stories of, you know, people just sitting in the boat and drifting, thinking it is fun, and then they hear the sound. And the sound is the breakwaters are there. They have come to the edge and they'd have no paddle. They are not able to 
to go upstream anymore because now the current is too fast and the next thing you saw the boat and the people are thrown over. Okay? And that's ha- what happens in life. Honestly. Nothing is an accident. Though accidents happen, it was not an accident. It was a way of drifting. Even when a bike accident takes place, the bike accident takes place, you know, unless it's a genuine accident. Most are not genuine accident. It's a way of drifting. The way of drifting, I'll tell you how we drift. I think I told it here or maybe somewhere else. When we all flew first, remember, we all flew first, first time aircraft. The air hostess, how Sundari comes, no? <laughs> she, come, okay. she comes and gives us that instructions and you are, the, ah, okay. And second time, little, third time we ignore. Out of pride, I've flown so many times, I don't have to listen to you. Okay, fourth time, fifth time, we ignore. But every time she says instructions, it's the same instruction and it's the most important instruction you will hear if something takes place. And if you are ever caught in an aircraft, you will wish you had listened carefully and memorized it. Okay. Now she say every time different people, different aircraft, different airways, different air hostess giving you the same instruction in different ways. Some are funny, some are very serious, some are very self-conscious. Okay, but instructions are the same. Instructions are the same. You ignore it at your peril. Okay, at your peril. In the same way, if you read at the instructions about how you should drive, the instructions are always the same. But people don't listen. They drift slowly. They drive fast. They don't wear a helmet. Okay. They don't do the things which are slowly. They drift away from. Okay. One day nothing happened. Two days nothing happened. Brake failed. I can drive with one brake. No. Drift, drift, drift. Okay. 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 And then one day, nemesis hits him. Okay. No, it didn't happen suddenly. It happened because we were drifting. Drifting. Okay. So the danger of drifting. So today's title is Be Sure You Are Not Drifting. Okay. Understand the other side of it. Nobody drifts towards holiness. Never happens. Nobody drifts towards righteousness. It does not happen. Nobody drifts towards a commitment to God. These things don't happen. Okay? Drifting is always on to the other side. And the first question, why do we drift away? The answer is in the first words. The answer is because we stop paying careful attention to what we have heard. What we have already heard. Okay. What we have already heard. Remember, Peter writing his final epistle, second epistle, he is reiterating all the things which he has taught them. And says again and again, as long as I'm in this tent, I will be putting it away. I will keep on telling you the fundamentals. Okay. Stir up your minds. We stopped hearing. Okay, we stopped paying careful attention to the things we have heard. Okay, it's okay, Pastor Vijay, it's okay. There is this 
current of the society, the age we live in, it is very subtle, but it is very real. If it is not real, let me ask all the dear sisters sitting over here, how come you are not in saris? Our grandmothers wore saris, our mothers wore saris. I'm, I'm absolutely nothing okay, this thing. <laughs> with your with your dressing. Okay, what I'm <laughs> what I'm saying, how subtly we changed. Okay, I think except the the lady who comes to clean that other apartment and a few of my LSL ayas, I don't see anybody in saris these days. You know, you don't see. You know, you don't see, and my mother, of course, you don't see. You know? okay. And from sari to, to other forms, we keep on subtly changing. Okay, it's subtly changing because first change is usually outward. Understand? First change is usually outward. Because if you outwardly don't change, because you see, you cannot outwardly change without a corresponding inward, inward change. You accepted something as okay. Accepted something as okay. Okay, like we have people from non-Christian backgrounds who got saved. And the final barrier they cross is eating. Abraham's special, special animal. In, in India, we shall be careful about what we say. Okay, that animal. But it's a change that takes place inside. For a long time, they resist. And then one day, they break that barrier. So understand that outward things, whether it is good or bad, do not change unless you have negotiated it in your mind first. You are negotiating things in your mind. Okay. But if we are not careful, we do not pay careful attention to what we have heard. We will quietly, slowly be taken away by the current. Because the world is going in one direction. It's absolutely sure about in one direction. It's about money, it's about power, it's about prestige, it's about pleasure. And that's why the warning of Jesus. Remember Lord's wife. He says, remember Lord's wife. You know what happened to her? How, how subtly he was. It was not in one day it happened. It was subtle, very, very subtle. If you turn with me to Genesis 13 verse 12, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. Okay, Very simple. Twelve is very simple. Where one man lived and the other man lived. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So far it is good if you don't read verse 13. Verse 13 is the danger. You look at it. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So the question is, there's a subtle shift. He knew the people were sinful. He has a a time in his life of walking with Abraham. So he knows Abraham's God because he's called righteous. Okay, he knows. But very subtle. Okay, okay. I will be close, but I won't be too close. I will not allow them to influence me. But there are certain things in that city which I like, which are not necessarily bad. Industry is not bad. Industry is not bad. Acquiring wealth is not bad. So you know what I will do? I will stay a little far away and when I go in, I will only go in for the things which are good, not which are necessarily evil. It is a very subtle change. The undercurrent pulled him. 
Okay. It was the first little move he made. But the current was too strong. In chapter 14, when that city is attacked, they also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods. Now he's dwelling in Sodom. The question is, how did you reach there? I thought you could resist. You thought you said you could resist, right? How did you reach there? Sorry, the current is too strong. You did not pay careful attention to what was told to your uncle. What was told is, stay away. Stay away. You should have learned from your uncle. Stay away. You did not pay careful attention. You go into captivity. That was a warning. Actually, a good lesson from God. But the question is, did you learn the lesson? No. The undercurrent is too strong. Now you are, now you are free. Your uncle has freed you. You know what? You go back. Now why do you go back? You're not going back. Earlier you went to make money. Now you're not going back because of money. You're going back because of prestige. Because now you are known, not as Lot, the man who made money. You're known as Lot, the nephew of the man who delivered Sodom. Because Abraham delivered Sodom from the hands of the wicked. So when King Bera and all going up, he knows this is Abraham's nephew. That's how I believe he becomes an elder in the city, has position now. Okay, but prestige also has come. Okay. But you don't realize the prestige of the world is very, very dangerous. Okay. So the Bible actually says in Peter that he's tormented. Torment, but trapped. So many people like that. The current is too strong now. They are too weak. They are too weak. The faith is too weak now. The current of the world is too strong. But there is still faith. And they live a tormented life. Tormented, unable to escape, trapped over there. That's what Peter describes. Lord's life. You know how he reached there? He reached there because... He did not pay careful attention to what was spoken. So the question we need to ask is, am I going to drift along? Or am I going to row with a sense of purpose and direction? So the question we need to ask is, do I have purpose in my life? Do I have in the old western novels and movies movies was much much later novels where there were always these characters who were good characters and bad characters who were called drifters yes. one of my favorite which my afternoon snack post lunch is uh, the Texan it's a black and white old one 30 minutes that's enough for me okay the Texan he's a very good guy he's a very good righteous honest guy but you will never see him in the same town twice Technically, he's a good drifter. Never gets married. Never has a family. At least in the serials. Okay. It's not there. But he's a drifter. And in the West, you would see there were so many drifters. So many drifters. 
And spiritually speaking, in the church of God around the world, there are plenty of drifters. Plenty of drifters. And we have to be very careful about drifting. God is talking to believers. You can drift in your relationship with God. You can drift in your relationship in your marriage. You can drift in your relationship with your children, your family. You can drift in your finances. The financial drift is very subtle. Very subtle. And one day the bombshell hits you. It's very little, very little, very little. See, we assume a lot of things. It is one thing to hear the word. It is another thing to believe it and obey it. And Jesus said about it. Those who hear the word and don't obey it are those, he said, who are building on the sand. Okay? Honestly, everything, okay? We need to realize all it takes to break a home is one person to drift and the other person not aware of it. One person to drift. The slow undercurrent of the world is pulling either the man or the woman quietly. That's all it takes. Okay. See, the family has to be in the same boat. If it is not on the same boat, okay, all it takes is one child to break the family, to break the home, the prodigal son, right, sitting over there. He's drifting. It didn't begin in one day. He made his request one day. But it was, he was drifting long time ago. And we assume a lot of things about people. So these protections are given in the Bible about everything. And if we do not pay careful attention to what has been said, one day suddenly we'll wake up and realize the home is gone. It's not there. It's not there. And people always wonder, but what did I do? What did I do? God said, you did not pay careful attention to the first careful attention you should have paid was that I told you do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Did I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Yeah, you told me, but God says, it was so nice, yes, till it lasted. It was so nice till it lasted. Till it lasted. Same thing with children. God has put these laws in his word about how we deal with children, how we spend time, that they are not primarily listening. They are primarily watching. They're not listening. They listen to their teachers. They don't watch their teachers. They listen to their teachers. They don't listen to their parents. They watch their parents. That's the difference. Okay. No child comes back and talks about about the teacher's behavior unless the teacher was angry with them. It talks about what the teacher taught. Okay, the teacher comes and the teacher goes. 40 minutes, 45 minutes, one hour. So they don't listen so much to the parents they watch. They don't so much watch the teachers they listen. And God has put these things. Okay, how do you save your family? How do you save your family? One, he says, be careful. Pay careful attention how you are before your children. Let them see your life. 
It's transparent. It is consistent. They should be able to see it. They won't see it unless you spend time with God and with them. Like I said, God is only interested in two things. One, himself, because he is the only one who existed. And second, his family on earth. Okay. Okay. And again, finances. Okay. Be very careful about spending. Okay. People just don't drift into financial, don't just suddenly fall into a financial mess. It's a drifting. You buy one thing which was not needed. Then buy another thing that was to attach to that one. Slowly, 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 debt comes in. You drift into it. <laughs> Something is there. They're all laughing. <laughs> hmm? No, we blame uh, ladies because it's always associated with ladies and dressing. But men buy other stuff. They don't buy clothes, but they buy toys. Okay, they buy toy, one gadget, then they realize that gadget doesn't work. Then they have to wear a second one which goes with it. That doesn't work. Then they get a third one. Then they get an attachment and slowly it piles up. And one day when it fails, all fail together. Then you have to replace the whole thing because now you got used to it. You got used to it. <laughs> Okay. I'm not, we need all that, okay? We didn't buy most of it. God was good to us. What I'm saying is, please understand, in everything, we have to be pay careful. Because the Bible talks about everything. There's no normal subject in which we are involved in, in which God doesn't talk about. Bible talks so much about finances. If you actually look at how much it talks about money, you'd think life is about money. But it is not. He's warning us. Is warning us. Bible talks so much about finances, so much about relationships, all these things. And these are all areas where we drift. Even about work. The Bible talks about so much about work. Let us, let us be very simple about it. Why is that every year hundreds and thousands and thousands of students go start schooling? School begins in June, generally, right? Thousands. Hundreds and thousands, millions in school. How many of them actually end up successful? A very small fraction. You know why? Because they drift. They don't pay careful attention to the instructions that is given. Let us be very careful about it. If this IT sector has been come in, IT sector, which only basically is looking at skills and not education, <laughs> Certain technical skills. What would be the condition of this, this country? Have you thought about it? Is the IT that changed the face of this country? If IT hadn't come, what would people do? Because most people just study and they have no skills. They have drifted along. They have drifted along. We all came through academy and we know the drifters and the final month of the year, they will pile on your brains to study. Will you please lend your book? Please, we were never there over there. What were you doing? The whole academic is almost over. Okay. And that's when the Christians are so busy going to church. The Hindus are in the temple, the mosque, the fellow, because now they're crying for mercy to the respective gods. Because the storm is hitting. That's a Jonah story. The fellow comes and why don't you cry to your God? It is not a joke. You have to see when exam time comes how the Catholics are doing. No way now the Protestants are in the church. Every temple is full of students. You know why? Because you are drifting the whole year. Now you want mercy. 
you're paranoid. But that's basically what happens. That is why we say pay careful attention when now. Not then, now. That they get the habit of working hard. They get the fundamentals are learned when they are young. Fundamentals are learned when they are young. If they get the fundamentals when they are young, what happens is they carry it along. But if you allow them to drift, you know why? They'll be like a hero in the westerns. They will be a drifter. There's a Louis Lammers book called The Drifters too. Okay. So the first thing is that we drift away from the word of God. What was heard is the written word of God. We drift from this. What is the first sign of drifting? You start losing interest in the word of God. You miss one day's reading. You miss two days. It's okay. Nothing happened. Just because I missed one day, what happened? Nothing happened. The current just pulled you a little. Like the others who missed many readings. You're on that road. Like the Chinese proverbs, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according, according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not drift or wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do, what's the protection from not drifting? I'm clinging on to your word. I've hidden it, like remember in Proverbs, hidden it in the midst of, remember Proverbs for my son, that the attitudes about listening, pay careful attention to what is written. What is written? You know, when, when, um, um, flight, aeroplane accidents take place back in, usually they will go back and find the black box and they go through what they were talking to find out why it took. You know what? Every time they start, each time when they're descending, landing, every through it all, they have a protocol they have to follow. There's a co-pilot and the main pilot and he will say, they tick, 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 each one protocol they have to follow every time. All those who have flown. Have you ever had a pilot who left the cockpit and came and said, oh, it's on cruise, let us sit and chat. Does he leave? He doesn't. Because there are lots of currents. The wind flow may change. So he has to be on his post. He's watching the instruments. He's listening to the radio. The reports that is coming. Because why? He has to take this aircraft with this certain number of passengers safely to that destination. In the same way, we are there. Individuals or family, heads or whatever. We have to reach our destination. And there is this undercurrents not visible. The only way we will reach safely is God says, stick to the manual. Stick to the manual. If you don't stick to the manual, you wouldn't even know. You will quietly, slowly, you are drifting away from course. Remember the most repeated illustration I have given you is the Korean flight that took away, took off from Anchorage, Alaska. 
It was from Alaska to Seoul, Korea. It has to go over the old, um, whatever path it had to go. What happened is, when he was feeding the coordinates, he went wrong only by a few digits. The few digits don't matter when you are going from here till the table. But if you are traveling from US, Alaska, to Seoul, a few digits will change the course completely. It went over Soviet Union. They shot it down. Everybody died. Everybody died. Now, if you ask that pilot, he's dead, of course. If you had asked the pilot, how many times have you flown in this route? He said, hundreds of times. What happened today? You drifted. You did not pay careful attention. You just drifted a little. What happened? The plane went down. Everybody died. Can you blame the Russians? No. They thought that we thought it was enemy aircraft coming into our airspace. We have the right to shoot it down. Can't do anything. Can't do, you can't sue them. You can't do anything because you're off your trap. So imagine we did not pay careful attention and we drifted away. The enemy is there and he grabs us. And we say, Lord, why is it happening? The enemy says, the accuser of the brethren says, he was in my territory. I shot him down. Get it? I shot him down. So you will see from the time Lot looks up at Sodom till the end, God has not intervened. He intervenes only at the last stage to pull him out of hellfire. That's the only stage he intervenes. He does not intervene. Because you had saving faith, because you had saving faith, and only saving faith, I'm receiving from the fire. But you have drifted so far away. I see you are righteous. You are in the midst of this muck. You are tormented, but you are not partaking. I see that. You have saving faith. So I'll pull you out of the fire. That's all. Let me not wander from your commands. Okay. The old man of God said, once this book becomes dusty, you become dangerous. He said, once this book, of, book becomes dusty, you become dangerous to the body of Christ. Because you are Drifted away, but physically you are still there. But you are actually dangerous because, honestly, think about it. Did David become dangerous to his own nation? Yes. Why? Because he drifted away from what was told by God. Kings were specifically given commands. Solomon became the most dangerous man for his own nation. Right? Because very specifically, the king was supposed to have a own personal copy of the law and meditate upon it. You should not multiply lives. You should not multiply horses. You should not multiply all these things. He broke every one of it. Why did he break? Because he did not pay careful attention to what was written. And you know what? He became dangerous to his own nation. So what did God do? He tore the kingdom from his hands. And because of his covenant with David, he only gave two tribes to his son and gave ten to a useless fellow. 
So God says, be very careful, those Christians, in the last days, because the world is not getting less attractive, it's getting more attractive. Evil is getting more and more and more seductive, powerful. And God says, be careful that we are not drifting. Hebrews 4, verse 11 and 12. Let us be uh, uh, diligent to enter that rest. Let anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharp than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What is it talking about? Why did you put these two verses together, the context? Like if you're talking about a boat, okay? If you, I mean, we don't have much, but we, I mean, we do have in our tank bund a few. Even in the tank bund, if you go to the sailing club, by evening after that, they bring the boats to the pier or to the, the shore, the pier, and they tie it up. Once you have tied it up, you know what? You are not worried. Even if you go to sleep in the boat. You know, when you wake up in the morning, the boat will be in the same place because it has been tied up. Okay, that's what the word of God is saying. If you want to be at that rest, you have to allow the word of God to work in you. Only the word of God can show the thoughts, the intents of your heart. Only the word of God can give you peace with God, nothing else. Because the word of God in the hands of the spirit of God can open up everything. The word of God, the living word of God. That is not just preaching from the pulpit, but your own personal interaction with God. You will know. Because outwardly, the preacher, see, the the preacher has only two duties. If you remember Paul's um Farewell to the Ephesus church in Ephesus. He talks about two things. He says, I preach to you the entire counsel, the will of God. I have nobody's blood on my hands. Two, God knows I have prayed for you day and night and taught you. See, the preacher has got only two things. I have to preach the whole counsel of God. Two, I have to pray for you. I am not responsible for the rest. I cannot carry anybody into the kingdom of God. I can only carry myself. But he's responsible for two things. See that you have taught the whole will of God. See that you have prayed for your congregation. So, so each one is personally responsible. Each one is personally responsible. So the Bible says, be careful how you allow the word of God. Are you anchored to the word? Is the word of God alive? Does it work in you? Is it speaking to you? Is it showing where you are drifting? Where you are drifting from? Which area you are drifting away of your life? Go to Matthew 11 and verse 6. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. This is the greatest blessing in the kingdom of God. Okay, Among all the other blessings, this is the greatest. Because you know what? The minute offense come in, you stop hearing. The word of God. You stop hearing the word of God. You no longer hear. You're already drifting. Okay. Remember? Jesus' disciples were offended. And they left. They left. It's not the crowd. It's the disciples. They left. Why did they leave? He was still the same person. 
is the same kind loving miracle working same but he hasn't changed at all but why did they leave the reason is they are offended they are offended and when people are offended you need to realize they don't leave the church immediately the child who is offended does not the prodigal son did not get offended on monday and leave on tuesday okay he left probably many months years late but is carrying it okay i don't agree with this old man's views life is better than this the other side is much better i don't know why he's restricting me from why why, why can't i go for movies why does he always says don't go for movies all my friends are mo- watching movies and they come in the class and discuss movies and i feel like an idiot over there because i have nothing to speak okay they're all drinking i'm not allowed to drink they're all smoking i'm not allowed this man is too old fashioned okay remember no offense offense slowly settles offense slowly you know and the same thing in the church why does the church always talk about the world 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 like every other church is going to the world and having a blast and nothing is happening to them okay so many you know offense slowly creeps in offense slowly creeps in and you know what the rope with which you tied your boat is getting loose slowly getting loose and one day it goes off what happens you are no longer listening you're not longer able to hear the word of god just passes over you it's not it has lost its effect in you in you it's lost its effect in you like we said remember it's a walk of faith <laughs> if it's a walk of faith then what is the current that is going against your walk it is sight you shall walk by faith and not sight that means sight is the undercurrent that is pulling you in the other direction right walk like um abraham comes and tells a lot we are brethren we shouldn't be fighting you choose first and he's actually lifting up his head and choosing because he is also a righteous man he is could be choosing by faith but the undercurrent is sight it's pulling it says he looked looks like the garden of eden and then looks like egypt looks like egypt okay looks like egypt the undercurrent pulls okay so if you're walking by faith what is the undercurrent it is sight Right? 2 Corinthians 5:7 is very clear you shall walk by faith and not by sight. So how do you walk by faith and not by sight? Because sight is the undercurrent that is the world. The ways of the subtle ways of the world. Subtle ways of the world. Like I said, the things of the world. That's why God says do not love the world or the things of the world. Don't love the things of the world because if you love, use things don't love things the problem is things that this difference between these two if you love things then the subtle ideology comes in you start deceiving yourself by saying that no i bought this because it makes life easier and i have more time to spend with my family and with god but honestly you will see none of these things happen you end up deceiving yourself deceiving yourself it's a very subtle deception 
very subtle, but you end up deceiving yourself. The world is very deceptive. Very, very deceptive. Okay. That's why we have to be very careful because we'll always, always, okay, the simple thing which you always have heard in all the stories from pastors, people who never give, will say, when I get this much money, I want to give this much to the church. <laughs> the problem is, you never gave anything when you had little. How are you going to give something when you have much? So you need to realize it's very, very subtle that the word of God is always there. Now wake up in the morning. I have to choose to go to the word of God. Okay. We have many books, including Facebook. Hmm? When you wake up in the morning, where do we go? It's a choice you make. God is not forcing anybody. He has already carefully Pay attention, I have told you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put me first. You shall have no other gods. All these things he has said. He has already said, we have heard it a thousand times. Like the air horse is saying, I say, na, kripya dhyan na, please, you can give. And we don't give any attention. Okay? Okay? All, we don't pay any attention. In the same way, God also is the original air host. Because he has to take us through the spirits of the air and reach us up there. So he is saying, please pay, pay careful attention. We don't take careful attention. Like I said, it is not written. God walked with Enoch. It is written, Enoch walked with God. It is not written, God walked with Noah. It is written, Noah walked with God. God walks alone. You and I have to choose whether we want to walk with him or not. Whether we walk with him or not, he will still be walking. We have to make a choice every day. Who am I going to walk with? Am I going to walk with God, the word, or am I going to walk with the world? We have to make a choice every day. And when we do not, and when we miss our appointments, we don't realize. It's like, you cannot, like we saw last Saturday, we can, you cannot walk on two roads at the same time. If you are not walking with God, you are walking with somebody else. Even if that somebody else is invisible. If you are not walking. Okay. Technically, no man walks alone. No man walks alone. No woman walks alone. Everybody is walking with somebody. If it is not God, it is somebody. There's an ideology that causes you to not to walk with God and behind that there are powers. That's what the Bible says about behind idols. There are powers. There are demons. There are powers. That's why you're told to flee idols. Flee idolatry because there are personalities behind that. So the Bible doesn't talk about money as money. It talks it as mammon, which is a spirit. The spirit behind it. There are spirits behind it. Okay. Second thing, note this. We start drifting when our prayer life becomes negotiable. Negotiable. These are personal things. Remember, remember, these are personal things. See, as long as you are not called to the front, you are safe. This is the problem. Being in the worship team and being called to pray. If you are dry, 
it you will be found out if you are dry it will be found out because you know what makes it wet it's the anointing the anointing has to be worked on you cannot just come to dance is anoint me god says the anointing was always there where were you okay the danger okay of those in the worship team the danger of those who are in the prayer and the danger of those who preach okay because when you come there suddenly suddenly you don't find it the five foolish virgins suddenly woke up and found they had no oil they no oil the flask were empty well the other five also woke up but they had oil they were suddenly out of the sleep many unawares called come and pray but they always had a prayer life so they came and they prayed the anointing was there they always worshiped at home so it was, a, it was a regular thing it was not just for a sunday they always worship so when they came to lead worship or worship you see the anointing was there shouldn't be struggling they always meditated on the word of god and studying the word of god was a lifestyle so when they were called to preach they preached the anointing was there please understand this how do you drift because you start making compromises on these things you negotiate on these things you miss your prayer time with god why because the undercurrent is slowly pulling us and we don't realize we slowly become like the world because in this world these things are not important it's not are not you know are not it's just ritual like we saw the past few days and weeks there is no thanksgiving there is no praise there is no worship we don't appreciate the goodness of god the greatness of god the holiness of god and there is no hearing so if you go back to hebrews chapter 2 right we must pay careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away and i want to come to verse 3 verse 3 how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation it's a rhetorical question the answer is no we cannot escape the answer is there in the question it's not asking for an answer the answer is there in the question if you ignore these things he says you will not escape you will not escape because the salvation is great it's not an ordinary salvation salvation is great what why is it great because of two things because of what god did to purchase this salvation it's great it's by the very life of his son salvation second it is great the outworking of the salvation is that god is on this business of saving that old man utterly because when the new creation begins there will be absolutely nothing of the old left everything of it will be destroyed nothing of the old left so when he is talking about the salvation it is a complete it's not a renovation work it's a complete demolition destruction and starting from the beginning that's what he's doing that's why the salvation is such a great so he says if you do not not pay careful attention to what you have heard if you ignore such a great salvation how shall we escape answer you will not escape will not escape you will be taken prey by the enemy so the question is we drift 
in our prayer closet. We make, we, you see, we do not uh, negotiate with breakfast. We do not negotiate with uh, education for our children. But we negotiate with prayer life. That's what I said when my children were small. One of the things which I used to do is that I wouldn't wake up on certain days. And they wake up and say, oh, today's late. I said, today I'm not going to school. I'm not going to school. I'm not going to school. Why? Because I decided that is not the big thing. Why are you going to school? Study. So that what? One day you will have a job and you will have a family. Right? And you can take care of your family. Well, you already have a family. I want you to understand why you go to school so that you understand this is what is important. If you find this is important and they are tickled being only the first five minutes after that we are not going to school. Happy. Happy. What shall we do? We shall spend the whole day together. We are going to spend the whole day together as a family so that you will understand that everything that God is doing is doing it for the family. Family. Never forget what the importance is. This, Otherwise, what happens? Education becomes our idol. Study, study, study. So if prayer is negotiated, worship is negotiated, word is negotiated, all for this idol called education. Everything is constrained. Everything is constrained. We need to realize fundamentals what happens. We don't negotiate with these things, but we negotiate with the things of God. And what happens ultimately? We are drifting away. Drifting away. Turn to Matthew 26 and verses 36 to 38. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. Then he took with him Peter. Okay. Sit here while I go and pray over there. Then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Look at verse 38. He said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Stay here and watch with me. Pray with me. Watch with me. And we come to verse 40. He came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to them, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but flesh is weak. What's happening here? You see, they have been with Jesus for three and a half years. And every one of them knows Jesus' prayer life. But you know what? They have seen it carefully, heard a teaching on prayer carefully, but they drifted away from that. That is one practice they did not have in their life. And in that hour of his need, they are sleeping. It didn't happen in one day. Didn't happen in day, but when disaster struck, they were totally meaning. See, when that day comes in your life, when you have to be up in your spirit and enter into God's presence, you realize you don't have it because you never did it. You never did it because you have drifted away from these fundamental things, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. It's a command. Command. Thanksgiving is a kind. All circumstances give God thanksgiving. The thing is that we are not neutral beings. We are not neutral beings. If we are not thanking God, we are murmuring. Even if we don't open our mouth, our thoughts are going only in two ways. Either we are grateful or we are ungrateful. There's nothing, no neutrality. 
Just in neutrality with thoughts. One way, either by faith we are moving forward and being grateful to God. Lord, I just thank you like David, whatever God tells him. No, no, no. He's still thankful. I know where I was. I know where I am. I just want to thank you. Or you're murmuring. Murmuring. Grumbling. Okay. That's why we have to be very careful. Do not negotiate with these things. Otherwise we will drift. Three and a half years of walking with him, the living God in flesh. Watching his life about him, he says, tempted at all points, did not sin nor deceit found in his life. We see his zeal, we see his passion, we see his power, we see his prayer life. And in his last hour, he says, would you please watch with me and pray? And they're not able to pray. You know why? Because there's one place they had drifted away from was a prayer closet. Now God comes and tells us, watch and pray. Watch and pray constantly as the end comes closer and closer. See your prayer closet. Are you drifting away from your prayer life? Are you drifting away from your word life? You know why? Why are we making compromises with the world? Why is it slowly making adjustments? You know why? Because we have drifted away. One, we have drifted away from the word. It is written. And we know it is written. We drifted. Second, in the prayer closet. We are not going into the prayer closet. Therefore, there is no conviction. If you go to the prayer closet, you will be miserable. Miserable. Because the person you love is saying that, you know, I'm not happy at all with you. I love you, but I'm not pleased with you at all. Not pleased with you at all. Okay. And because we do not go to the prayer closet, we have drifted away from them. There is no conviction. So the Bible says, pay careful attention. How shall we escape? We cannot escape. The problem is this. When God stops speaking to us, He stops correcting us. When God stops speaking to us, God stops correcting us. Who can correct us? Only God. Not the preacher. The preacher will just preach the word of God, but if the spirit of God doesn't convict you, nothing is happening. The only one who really, really knows the issues in us is God. Nobody knows. Even we ourselves do not know what the problem is. Now you go for a diagnosis of a disease, you will realize, now look at poor Epsiba, how many weeks and months and years it's going on. Still not able to diagnose. Now she has to go through the bone marrow test. Think about it. Ruling out. This is with a disease of the body, with all our Equipment today and advancement of medical science, we are not able to diagnose really what is it. Many cases. By the time you are diagnosed, sometimes it's too late. Okay. If that is the case of the human body, what is the case of the human soul? Who can know? Only God. Only God. Only God. Okay. Only God. That's what we are talking about, about Lot. Lot thought everything was okay. And then the knock comes. Last day on earth. Get out. Your city, your wealth, everything you built over your life is going to be burned by tomorrow morning. Get out. Only because another man prayed. He was praying. He was a praying man. Okay. So this is a fundamental issue. If God does not speak, how will I know? So deception is so easy. If God does not speak, I am deceived. I am deceived. If I don't hear from God, I am deceived. Because I feel I'm okay, you are okay, that's a book. But that's not truth. 
Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You see that? See, the entire book of Hebrews is a series of warnings written to the Hebrew believers, the believers among believers. These are people who came from the Jewish heritage and believed in Christ. That meaning their fundamentals are strong, unlike the Gentiles. Gentiles don't have the Old Testament. The Hebrew believers have the Old and the New. They are very strong in the Word and they have drifted away. Drifted away. Therefore, to them, when the writer is writing and the Holy Spirit is writing, he's going back into their history of their fathers and saying, remember, 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 have your fathers drifted away and ended up in destruction? Be careful. Be, be careful. Okay. What happens? We depart from the living God. Depart. What we have is just a shell. We just have a shell, no? Sometimes when you walk around and this thing, you see the shell. And you know, whatever was hashed and went out, only a shell is there. Nothing living is there. What do we end up with? We have religion. We have religion. But we have departed from the living God because he no longer speaks. We still go to church, but we don't go to God. There's a difference between the two, going to church and going to God. And when we start drifting, what happens? When we start drifting, go to Hebrews 10. Third thing we drift away from. First from the word of God. Second from our prayer life. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. First we miss our word. Second we miss our prayer closet. Second, third we miss church. Okay, once one and two is missed, third becomes easy. Third, what happens is we stop our, usually people would be very zealous. It's all happened in church history. People who went for seven days, started going four days, three days, one day, and after some time they'll say, I'm not going. Stopping. They're drifting away from this assembly. Okay, go to Hebrews 3.13 and then come back. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Right? Now you can exhort only those who are here. Okay. There are two different things you need to understand. One is the word of God, what you have heard. Second is the spirit of God. That's different. You know where the spirit of God actually is? When two or three gather in my name, I'll be in your midst. One is written, the other is the person. And we stop assembling, we are departing from the Spirit of God. Most of the correction a man or a woman or a child receives from God, he is in the church. He receives it in the church. He gets it in the church. So that's where God is. Okay, And we are able to exhort one another. Do we know if you go to a Christian country or even Hyderabad city, we take our Hyderabad city, how many tens and thousands, millions of people are there in church roles but never go to church? Let me ask you this simple question. If all the people who are on the church roles 
are regular in their attendance, then why does when it is Good Friday or Resurrection Sunday or Christmas, you have to put Shamianas outside? All the missing people come on three days. But they're all on church roads. They're all on church roads. You drift away, and this is important, do not forsake the assembling of together. What happens when you forsake? There is no one to exhort you. There is no one to exhort Exhorting one another daily. No one to exhort you. Who is exhorting you if you don't come to church? Who is exhorting you? And if somebody is not exhorting, your very presence of another belief is the source of encouragement. Oh, thank you, Lord. I am not alone in this. Alone in this. Okay. And you share your struggles and the other person says, I'm going through the same thing, but hang in there, hang in there. We will fight it. God is for us. If you are not able to exhort one another from the word, from the pulpit and the fellowship of the believers, you know what happens? Our hearts get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's the problem. If we stop assembling, we drift away from the importance of assembling together as a family of God. Of God. If you have noticed, I will tell you, these are the struggles parents go through. Take children who have grown up in boarding schools and children who have grown up in homes. Children who have grown up in homes love their parents. The children who have grown up in boarding schools are not so attached to their parents because life is different. So when you talk to them, you cannot talk to them the same way. I was one of them. The first few years of my life, I was desperate to go home. and I didn't care about exams. I didn't care. About I just wanted to go home. home. But after some time, you know what? Realize it's not so important. Hostel is there. Friends are there. Once a year is okay. Slowly detachment comes. So I always say, as far as possible, do not send your children to hostels. After a point. But only if necessary. What it does to you. What it does to you. Does to you. You will have to make adjustments in your life, keeping the truth. Lord, what is the price I'm willing to pay? What am price you willing to pay? Because what happened to me, it's a different case altogether. I found the Lord in the hostel. But that's not what happens usually in life. People lose God in the hostel. The other way around, most cases, you look at in America, where did the children of America lose their faith? They lost in the universities and the high schools. They lost there. And they came back home. We don't believe anymore don't believe anymore. So these fundamentals are important. So each one, you have to decide with God. You have to decide. I'm not making a, it's a general assumption. But each one has to hear from God, Lord, where should my child be? Like by the time the child leaves home, like Daniel and all, they should be absolutely so sure about their fundamentals. Nothing of Babylon will shake them. They won't drift. Daniel won't drift. Joseph won't drift. 
Fundamentally so strong. I believe Joseph did not do everything was planned out because if you read chapter 37, it's very clear. This is the genealogy of Jacob and then it begins with Joseph. Because God says, I got a family over there with 13 people or 15, 16, 17, including all the concubines, procubines, everything together. There's only one man who is attached to me. That is Jacob and his son. But the only reason that son, if you look at is because God took his mother out of the picture. The mother out of the picture. You know why? Rachel loved probably Jacob. But Rachel worshipped her father's gods. The last scene of Rachel, you see, is she's still with her father's gods. And if Rachel had loved, lived with her idols, she would have messed up Joseph. Like we always say, fundamental counseling, the best thing a child can have is two godly parents. The second thing a child can have is one godly parent. Like I always say, if you're divorcing and leave, you're not interested, get out and never come back into your child's life. Leave it alone. Because you will mess up the child. The child cannot serve two masters. The child will ultimately end up with the fleshly one. So all of Jacob's ten children went in the ways of their mothers. The eleventh one stayed with the father. Okay, so you have to be very careful about it. Careful about it. And if you, you in your home, you always have to know who is the spiritual. Both may not be spiritual, but both are godly. So you should be wise like Elkanah. You handle it. Okay, no problem. You, I will not interfere. You bring up Samuel. You are the spiritual one. You bring up Samuel. Or you be, should be like Timothy's father. Greek, yeah. But I, I like, I've seen many on missions like that. Husbands are very nice, simple, not believers. He'll say, I don't understand and all, you know what, but she's a praying woman. So I let her have her way. No issues. Let her handle it. And every picture I get still from them, the child is with the mother. The mother is on the fishing field. Father is still a Hindu. That doesn't block. Doesn't block. Because they got married, they had a child, then one of them got saved. Once, I still remember, I'm not mentioning the name of the man because when I say you will all know him because a big guy, was a big guy. He said, uh, when his, all his political friends said, how do you allow, you are from this family, we are all Hindus, your wife has become a Christian. How do you allow her to be a Christian? She's taken up, put this thing, everything off, idols, nothing. His answer was that after she became a Christian, she became the best wife I could ever get, so why should I complain? And they had no answer. They had no answer. He said, I know her when she was a wife, when she was a Hindu. And I know her when she became a Christian. So I have no issues. He never went to church, he never did anything, but he gave his wife complete freedom. And she never went to the temple, she only went to church. And she was big into evangelism. Okay. So you need to understand all these things are fundamentally important. How does it happen? Because you are tied to the word of God. You are tied to your prayer closet. And you are tied to the family of God. In fellowship. Okay. And even in our homes, our fellowship is important. And that fellowship has to be primarily spiritual. Foundation base is spiritual, but fun. But fun. Don't speak in Hebrew and Greek to children, okay? Like an old Malayali pastor said, some people smile also in Hebrew. <laughs> okay? Just make the kingdom of God has to be lived out. I believe walking with Jesus must have been really, really fun. Because a real, real 
not funny man, enjoyable person to be with. If you look at Jesus, you will see that. Everybody was comfortable with him till he starts preaching. Other than that, they were very comfortable with him. Okay. Okay. Because when it comes to the word of God, he was no negotiations. But other than that, everybody was comfortable with him. Everybody was comfortable with him. So get these pictures. Okay. If you do not come regularly as a church, as family of God, who will exhort you? And if you go back to the other portion which I gave you, right? Hebrews 10, yeah, 24-25. Consider one another to stir up. Who will stir up love and good works? Who will? Because the Bible is very clear. Your charity should begin in the house of God, not in the world. That is NGO. That is secondary. Primary is in the body of Christ. Primary is in the body of Christ. Right. No? Primary it begins over there. That day when Avinash came home, no, it was so cute to see him. He's got a brother who's got a, a little issue, special needs brother, and he wanted to bring the brother to for me to pray. It's so cute to see him bring his brother. His brother is bigger than him, though he's younger than him. Okay, brought him on the scooter, brings him, sits, he's watching over him like a hawk. No, his brother wants that daba from mine. He wants to know what is there to eat, and he's watching over him. Then taking him, turns the scooter, makes him, and his brother holds him. I said he will not fall off. No, he will not fall off. You know what? Suddenly you have a kid like that in your home, and you realize your life changes. Your life changes. You can never be the same again. You know the attention goes to that child. Attention goes to that child. Your life is now defined by somebody who is not able. That's what I was talking about. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. When a family comes together, you will see the weak and the strong, all kinds of people in the body of Christ. And God says, now stir up. Stir up. You live as a family. You live as a family. Okay? Exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. More so as you see. But when you don't do, you drift away. What do you drift away? Primarily, first two, word and prayer, you drifted away from loving God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. Second, when you don't come, you drift away from loving your neighbor as yourself. You drift away. Two things happen. You drift away, you drift, and the entire law and the prophets hang on these two things. Okay. Understand. Did you see this? If this is not there, you cannot hang it. You take off your coat. You want to hang it. At least there has to be a peg or a nail. If the peg or the nail is not there, you cannot hang it. Right? So that peg is very important because everything you put thing that hangs on it. And Jesus is saying that, you know what? The entire law and the prophets needs two pegs to hang. The pegs are in there. The law and the prophets fall to the ground. The entire word of God, he says, is held by two pegs. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, if you drift away from the word and you drift away from your closet, you are drifting away from that peg, the first peg on which your life hangs. When you stop assembling together, you are drifting away from the second one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be careful. That's how people drift away. Worshipping together. 
praying together, learning together, helping one another together. There are certain things that happen to us individually. But certain things can happen only when we are rooted together as a community of believers. Okay, I'll give you a very weird example. I don't think anybody in history ever used this example because I've never heard anybody using it. I got this this morning. Matthew 27. 27, 3 and 4. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Both are guilty. See, in a government system, when you offer a bribe, like you offer a bribe and they receive a bribe, if they catch you, they'll catch both. The one who paid the bribe and the one who took the bribe, they will, okay? So both are guilty. Judas was guilty of betraying Jesus. The high priests are also guilty of betraying Jesus. But only one felt remorse. The others did not feel remorse. Did you see that? Do you know why he felt remorse? Because he was in fellowship with Jesus. Therefore, he had remorse. The others had no remorse. When you are out of fellowship, when you sin, we have no remorse. Know that. Be very, very careful. When you are out of fellowship, when you sin, you are without remorse. But when you are in fellowship, you know what, therefore, you know what was the biggest uh, discipline in the ancient church and from the church for years is disfellowshipping. Once you are disfellowship, you are treated like a pariah, uncast, untouchable. Nobody speaks to you. That's the rule of the church. Disfellowshipped. After that, nobody communicates with you. Nobody until you come back to your senses. In old days, it was like a death sentence because there's only one church. When you left here, everybody, you had to lose this to come here. Now you are kicked out of this also because you did not. Okay, so disfellowship was a big one. Big, big. Nothing more was needed. Disfellowship alone was enough. Nothing more was needed. Okay. Now here you see something. Two people equally guilty, two sets of people, one Judas and they are equally guilty. Only one feels remorse. Why did he feel remorse? Because he had fellowshiped and walked with him. Okay. Therefore, when you do not fellowship, you don't walk with the church. And when you sin against God and sin against the church, the conviction level is completely different. You don't feel it. You don't feel it. You know, it's like a leper chopping his finger off while cutting vegetables. He doesn't feel anything. You know why? Because his finger is not in fellowship with the rest of the body. He doesn't feel it. Doesn't feel it. Okay, so understand how it works. We have to be careful about these things because as the day is approaching, be careful that we are rooted to the word of God. We are rooted to our prayer and we are rooted to fellowship. Let me give you an example which you will easily understand. <clears throat> All of you are regular on Zoom prayer. Zoom prayer, the evening prayer. Most of the people who are there on Zoom prayer from the other churches, you do not know them. But now you recognize their voices. You know the ones who are emotional, the ones who are praying, the ones who are crying. You know them. Though you haven't seen them. 
And if they were to come here, you would be very comfortable. Like Johan came from Bangalore. Ah, that's Dr. Richard. Ah, that's Peter. That is Sam. He had never seen any of them. But he had been listening to the message over and over and over and over again. He just came in and fitted in just like that, as if he always belonged here. Now on Zoom, when you are, you know what is happening? Though there is prayer, there is something else that is happening. There is a fellowship that is going on. So you're getting to know people. This is their burden. This is their heart. This is their cry. This is, okay. So one day when all of us come together, you'll say, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you, you are, you are, you are this, though I didn't see your face, I recognize you by your voice. You are that person. This is what it does. But when you are cut off, when you're not joined, I mean, that's why one thing I said about the Zoom is that you can do whatever you're doing. Because only one person is praying. You are already given an advance to pray. But keep it in the background and listen while you are doing. Don't detach yourself from these things. Because you know what? We have technology which even Paul did not have. If they had technology that days and Paul was praying in Ephesus, all the churches would be tuning in. All the churches would be tuning in to hear this man preach and this man pray. But they did not have the technology. So they waited for these letters to come. And then it was read in the church. Imagine the day the pastor gets a letter and says, Apostle Peter has sent a letter. Everybody said, okay. And this letter read to understand it. We've been taking years. But they heard it. And they understood what he was saying. And they repented. You know why? Because the Spirit of God who gives us understanding was vibrant in their community. Because they had not drifted away. But when they started drifting away, Thing starts falling apart. So get these pictures very, very clearly. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. When we start drifting, our confession is replaced by Complacency. Confession is important. Confession is important. Confession is basically you are talking about the person that's in your heart. If you look at Solomon in the beginning, my father David, my father David, my father David, my father David, my father David. Towards the end of his life, he never talks about his father. Have you noticed? Because he knows he's not walking in the ways of his father. Well, confession matters. A confession matters. Okay. Therefore, what happens? Confession is replaced by com- you become very become very complacent, very complacent. Okay, that's how you are becoming. That's how you know you are drifting. You are no longer so excited about Jesus as you were. If you look at Jesus from the beginning of his ministry to the end of it, or from the age of twelve, the first time he is speaking, I am at my father's business. To the beginning of his ministry, his zeal for his father's out. End of his ministry, zeal for his father. And on the cross, zeal for his father. His zeal is never. He never loses the zeal. There's no complacency. It's consistent. And you see again in another man called Paul. You know? 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Look at that. Fellowship with one another. That's the key. Fellowship brings friction. Should bring friction. Otherwise we are all angelic. We are not angelic, so fellowship brings friction so that we can become angelic. 
Okay, it will break for you because we started. No, you, that's it. all the all the families, couples when they get married after the honeymoon is over, which some honeymoons last very short, and after that the friction begins. You know why? Because they were not identical twins. Even Adam and Eve had friction after the fall. The woman you made, and this woman is made from him. And they had friction. Are you getting the picture? Okay. So fellowship is important. The only way we can have fellowship with one another is that each one of us choose to walk in the light. Okay. If, if let's say, if I walk in the light, I will have fellowship with you, even though you may not have fellowship with me if you're walking in the dark. If I am walking in the dark, you may be able to fellowship with me, though I will not be able to fellowship with me. Okay, like I told you the example yesterday, today, tomorrow you can go do it. Okay, now tonight you can do it. Put off all the lights, take a matchstick, light it and hold it. You will realize the shadow is only of the stick. There is no shadow of the light. Light has no shadow. There is no darkness in him. There's no darkness in him. Okay. So what is God talking about? God talking about, how do you know you're walking in the light? Lord, I want to walk in the light. How do you know I'm walking in the light? Lord, give me a proof I'm walking in the light. God says you have fellowship with one another. That's the key. Fellowship with one another. Like I said, there is no shadow. It's no shadow. Okay. It's no shadow. That's basically what it means. Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. There was no shadow. Transparent. That's why the Bible says in heaven, they are standing on a sea of glass mixed with fire. They have been purified, holy, absolutely transparent, and fellowship is there. No issues. No issues at all. So what happens is, if a confession is gone, it is replaced by complacency. Why? We walk in the truth as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Meaning, if we say we have wonderful fellowship, it's false. <laughs> we don't have. We don't have. Because we haven't come to that stage. Where do you have wonderful fellowship? In the persecuted nations, where the church is underground. Where they are underground, nobody bothers about who you are, what you are, what is your background, because everybody has been united together. The whole possessions has one, because otherwise you will die. Nobody betrays one another, nobody complains about each other, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay. Now, we don't have to reach that point to have it. We can reach that point without having persecution. Without persecution. That's the Bible says. If we confess our sin, we confess our sin. You know, much of our sin is only this thing, towards God and towards man. Lord, I wasn't faithful with you. And Lord, I sinned against my neighbor. It's only these two things. All sins are only these things. There are no other sin. <laughs> What other sin is there? I didn't comb my hair properly. That's not a sin. What is sin? Sin is towards God and sin is towards your neighbor. And God says, you know what? When you walk in the light, you have fellowship. 
and we don't have fellowship, you have to confess. Lord, I'm still not able to relate to my wife. I'm still not able to relate to my children. Lord, I still try to relate with the brothers, sisters in the church. Because what is the whole purpose of this? Think for a minute. Think for a minute. I, I'm sure God will do it. Think for a minute. Rapture takes place now. In a second, rapture takes place. And all our thoughts are revealed. And people, ah, this is what you thought about me? All this while? And always smiled at me. But this is what you were thinking about me. Imagine the shame of it. <laughs> Though you won't be angry because you are in that new, in God's presence. But, no. <laughs> I believe the first thousand years, God will give people time to confess to one another. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. <laughs> Think about it. How funny it would be, right? Okay. Okay. So remember, that's what the Bible says. Look to. Otherwise, what will happen? Our confession will be replaced by We have become very complacent about relationships. Very complacent. Don't take anybody for granted. I'm telling you, do not take anybody for granted because you do not know. Even your own spouse, you do not know is drifting or not. You only know whether you are drifting. You only know you are drifting. Divorces did not take place in one day. It took place after years of drifting. One day was a rude awakening. I'm leaving. Okay. The prodigal son did not suddenly decide to go check out the world. He had been drifting for a long time. Only one day it became public. It must have been a shock. It was was only the shock to the other person who heard it for the first time. It was not a shock for the person who was planning to leave. It's not a shock because they always were planning to leave. Okay. So what I'm saying is that be very careful about it. Don't be ever be complacent about your relationship with God or your relationship with man, the people who matter in your life. Don't be complacent because the Bible says Samson woke up and did not know the Spirit of God had left him. He woke up one day. He was very complacent about his relationship with God. Very complacent. Took it for granted. The Philistines are upon you. He realized the Spirit of God is gone. That's one day you don't want to know. If he had known six days earlier the Spirit is gone, he would have made amends. But God did not give him any warning. So he took me, took me for granted for enough. Now, I'm leaving. This is what you want. This is what you have. So be very careful about these things, our complacency. That's why we have to be very careful about our confession. Because if we are not confessing what is right, we are always confessing what is wrong. If you are not thinking right, mind is not a vacuum, you are thinking wrong. That's what we saw in First Corinthians 10 and verse 10. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. We saw yesterday, mama, 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 mama. Finally, God said, all of you who murmured in your tents. I mean, God was listening to what was happening. Husband telling the wife, why did this Buddha, you know, we should have stayed in Egypt. He just brought us into the world. God was listening to all these conversations. <laughs> yes, honey. <laughs> She had It's remembered like the parents, uh, the family that invited the old pastor for uh, dinner. 
Our pastor for dinner, and in there this thing they said, told the little son, our son will say the grace. And the old son says, Lord, thank you for this food, and thank you for everything I have given, and thank you for bringing this old goat here for dinner. And parents were so shocked. But the problem was, every time the parents had conversation about the pastor, they always mentioned him as that old goat is forever scolding us from the pulpit. The son got it. So when the old goat came home, he said, thank you for the goat. See, that's a very interesting thing. They're all living in tents. All living in sins. 600,000 tents. And God is listening. Oh, you're murmuring. That me, the old goat. The Bible always says over there, they murmured against Moses first. Then murmured against Moses and Aaron. But God didn't say that. He says, murmured against me. When they asked for another king, he said, Samuel, you don't be upset. They are not upset with you. They're upset with me. The same people. They will always murmur. And the interesting part is that the Bible does not say they died of hunger. They were destroyed by the destroyer. They escaped the destroyer in the Egypt because of the blood. But they were destroyed in the wilderness. The destroyer. Why? Because of their confession. They are very complacent about it. Don't be complacent about it. Jeremiah 48, 11 and 12. Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs, has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore his days remained in him, and his end has not changed. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I shall send him wine workers who will tip him over and empty his vessels and break the bottles. Okay? I'm telling you, that's what God is saying. He says, you know, very he takes for granted. That's what I am telling you, always telling you, you know, never take relationships for granted. Never take relationship for granted. Your relationship with God and your relationship with man. No. Never take it for granted. The very dangerous things because if you know, if you hear, if you minister, you will hear these stories, especially of men coming back home and finding the wife has backed up and left. She's gone. And he's wondering, what happened? What did I do? Exactly. You did nothing. What did I do? I did nothing. Exactly. That's why she left. Well, that's why he left. Because you did nothing. We take it for granted. Sitting at ease. At ease. We joke about it, but it's only a joke. I tell the joke at my home, no? Now I shall leave and cleave to my laptop and we shall become one. <laughs> but no, we have to be very careful about these things. Very careful about these things. With God, be very... Do not take God for granted. Okay, that's where the example of Samson is there. The most powerfully used man. One of the most powerfully used man. Be careful. Be careful about relationships in the church too. Be very careful. Or in your family. Because one day what will God will do? God will break. Break their complacency. Okay, break their complacency. Zephaniah 1.12 
It shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who were settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. Deceived. God said, you know what? I will search with them with the lamp out. And what will I do? I will punish. I'm telling you honestly, it's the same thing that happens in homes also. Okay? Nah, my wife, she will never leave. My husband, bah, he's absolutely yoked to me. He will never leave. And one day you come back and see there's nobody there. Gone. Stories you hear in missions will blow your minds away. Because you look at the person and you look at the story that is you're hearing from the other side. No, I remember a pastor's wife saying me, pastor is gone. Gone for six months. No letter, no call, nothing. And when I meet her, she says, you know what? I have lived the life of a beggar all my life. No food, no money. He just goes in the name of his God, never comes back. And said it in Tamil. If he still has his wife and his children, it's because of God's mercy, not grace. You know? The kind of stuff people do. You know? And that's what Jesus was talking about, you know. If you if you, you know, he told the Pharisees something about, you know, that uh, what was meant for your parents or whatever, you know? Yeah. If you just think then it is okay. He says, no, it is not okay. It is not okay. Yeah, it is. Korban. No, it's not okay. He says, who said it is okay? Yeah. Who said it is okay? You say, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever profit you may have received from me is a gift to God. Really? Hmm? See? Then he need not honor his father or mother. Then you have made the commandment of God no effective. You know, basically he's saying, you know what? God called me to the ministry. I don't have to take care of my family, my parents. God will take care of them. Please, please accept my life to serve God as a gift to you. What are they going to eat with your gift? Eat with your gift? What are you going to eat? The same thing you're happening in 2000 years, the same thing is happening. Same thing is happening. You know what God says? You know what? I'll break the cup once. Then it will come to your senses. Come to your senses. Because you know what? Complacency has replaced our confession. Look to your high priest of your confession. What is the son confessing? His heart, his mind is always about his family on earth. And that is his confession. What is Jesus talking about to the father? About us. But us. Okay? He says, be careful. Don't be complacent about your relationship with God or your relationship with within the home, within the church. Zechariah 1.15 I'm exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. For I was a little angry and they helped, but with that evil intent. He says, when I was a little angry, Okay, they pretended to change. The intent was evil. They always planning to go back to their old ways. So what happened? He says, "Now I am not little angry. I'm exceedingly angry. Exceedingly angry. Do not get complacent 
when you get complacent, what happens? We drift. We slowly drift. That's why you always say, see that you are zealous. Okay? Zealous. About your, about your God, about your home, about your church. Very zealous. Doesn't matter how far the children are away, how old they are grown up. It does not matter. If God says, I have engraved you in the palms of my hand, it should be true about our children too. They'll grow up. They'll get married. They will go. But it doesn't matter. You are, you are always in front of me. You're always in front of me. Like today, we have the, the, the options which other generations did not have. That's what I keep telling all those who used to work. I said, you know, for me, because we grew up in a different generation, I know how I, when that postman comes, you waited. You know when he'll come towards the end of the month, he comes because after 30 days, you get to hear from your parents once. Okay, you are a little child, 11 year old, 12 year old child, and the letter is passed around, you know, and you read, and because at the end of it is, you know, it's a mother who writes, and at the end, signed by the father. Mother writes, father won't write. Mother writes it all. And at the end, both of them will write lots of love and kisses. And you're looking for that one part. Once in 30 days. Now what is, how easy it is. You have phones, you text, you have WhatsApp. Do you text each other? Do you call each other? Do you ask? What is life about? God has made it so simple. That's why in Romans 2, he says very clearly, each one of us will be judged by the light we have received. And he looked at the cities of Israel and said, Court, woe to you, Korazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. If the works that was done in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have lasted till today. It will be better for Sodom and Gomorrah then than it is. It will be for you on that day. Meaning, our generation will be judged differently because we have been given every gadget possible to have a very healthy, close, vibrant relationship and let's serve God with zeal. Technology was begun. What did the old generations have? Like I said yesterday, when Sarah died, Abraham might have been in another town. It would have taken him how many days to reach on a camel? Camel. Look at that. How easy it is for us. If somebody in our family in India dies, we'll be there before afternoon. Evening, we'll be there. Take a flight, we go. We reach. Old days, it was not possible. They buried it. Old days, who said keep the body? Body couldn't be kept. Right? So God has made it so easy and simple for us. And God says, what are you doing? Why? Because we are very complacent about this. We drift. We drift from the word. We drift from the prayer closet. We drift in our relationships. And the problem is this. When we start drifting, we forget ending well is more important than a good start. We forget the most important thing. The most important thing on life is that we should end well. And drifters usually never end well. Because the Bible is full of people who did not finish well. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. So God says, you know what, get rid of certain things. What are the things that weigh you down? What is a weight in your relationship, God? What is a weight? Sin is sin. Sin is different. Okay, Everybody's sin is different. It's not the same. Everybody is not easily entangled by the same sin. Each one of us is entangled by something else. But let's leave sin aside for a moment and think about weight. What weight? What is that that weighs down your relationship with God and your relationship with man? What weighs it down? Get rid of it. It's a husband and a wife. You know what weighs. Okay. Like I said, would you be able to, two things you'd be able to do. One, talk and then forgive and put it away from your memory bank. Because when you talk to God, he forgets it. He doesn't remind you of it. He says that very clearly. As far as the east is from the west, have removed it. When you tell God, I'm sorry, this is what it, this is the weight, and I confess, forgive me. He says, forgiven and forgotten. We need to learn the first and the second. Forgive and forget and start over relationship each day. If you need, some people need new pages every day. Turn over a new leaf. Okay. Otherwise that weight will, okay. When people come to church, some people come to church, they are not able to fellowship at all because they come with a weight. And weight is usually got nothing to do with, usually with the pulpit, it's got offense with a person. Because the word of God was offense you, then everybody should be offended. So it's not the word of God. It, it's, a, it's, it's got to do with somebody in the church, a person. So you know what happened? They come with that weight. And they drift. Drifting is a dangerous thing. Very, very dangerous thing. People do not realize how many millions upon millions are drifting in the church. The church was... The ocean, they are drifting. and There is an undercurrent of the world. We act exactly like the world. What is the world? The world acts like a children. You offend me, cutting. Never talk to you again. That's this. That's how children is to say. Hebrews 3.14 For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Then we have become partakers of Christ. Okay. Walk with God. Do you know how you began? Hang in there and hold on to that same confidence all the way till the end. Okay, All the way till the end. Same thing in a relationship also. Saving a relationship also. I'm not saying you can fellowship with all the church the same way. No, you cannot. It's not possible. You don't have time or mind. You don't have that. But you still fellowship. But when it comes to your family, your home, your family, especially your spouse, it is important. The same confidence you had in the beginning, you should be able to hold it steadfast to the end. And it takes a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort. And it is not. I remember the pastor 
All the days of my married life, Monday was my date with my wife and I never broke it. That day, because Monday is the pastor's off day usually in churches, for us it is Tuesday. Okay, that's one off day. Okay. okay. It's, 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 it's like the uh, lady telling her husband after many years, you know what? You, you are not like when we remember when we were in the young days, when we got married, you know, uh, used to hug me, used to kiss me, used to put uh, all this thing in. He says, I'm still sitting where I'm sitting. Who moved? You moved. I didn't move. I'm still in the same place. Who moved? You moved. That's what I said. We have to be very careful. We do not make our lives too busy. Life is about relationships. It is not about being busy, become so busy. Finally, we'll find we do not know how to relate to one another. That was Elijah's problem. He did not know how to relate to anybody because he lived alone. So God says, you know what, I'll make you human again. <laughs> Go down. You'll find a young man. Anoint him. He'll be with you for the next leg of your life. Learn to relate. Learn to relate. Okay. That's our problem. Know what is the, what are the things that are weighing in your relationship? Weighing. Sometimes you will have to humble yourself. If you leave it to Lot, Abraham and Lot will live in that same land and their people will be always fighting because Lot will not humble himself and come to the uncle. So Abraham humbles himself and goes to Lot and says, we are brethren. Why should we have conflict? Don't you see the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Martamites and the Jacobites are all around us. We say we are Pentecostals and the Jacobites and the Martamites are watching our fight. Those Pentecostals should be even more filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit, speaking to each other in Psalms and not gossiping, slandering, shouting, screaming, you know, speaking to each other. They're seeing our testimony. No, basically, that's what he's saying. But Lot wouldn't. So sometimes, you have to humble yourself and say, you know what, I will take the first step. I will take the first step. It's God who took the first step. The Bible doesn't say Adam and Eve ran looking for God after they fell. No, it doesn't. It says God came looking for them. God took the first step. Because God is always humble. So he took the first step. Say, you know what, let me repair this relationship. Relationship is gone. It's broken down. If I leave it to them, they will never come back. Never turn around and come back. That is, man, you know what? Let me go looking for them and start the work of repair. Okay? And that's what God is talking about. We drift away. We drift away. And we forget, ultimately, you know what? Ending well is more important than starting well. Maybe your start wasn't good. Okay? Like David had a good start and in the middle he goofed up. I always ask this God, Lord, how can you say again in the New Testament that he's a man who did all my will, yet his family was a mess. Mess. So God asked me, when you say a man finished well, what does it mean? I say, okay, as a preacher, as a king, he finished well. Second, as a father, 
he finished well as a husband he has to finish well this is what you carry with you the qualities and he says a husband to betsaba he finished well she honored him as a father to solomon he finished well he honored him so he finished well as a king as a father and as a husband the other sons and the other wives made their own choices it takes two to tango takes two to tango but when it came to one wife who had the most serious reason to be upset with david she chose differently you know why because the tragedy taught them david was at ease so you know what god did god broke that boat and the child died child died it broke them both david and betsheba and they became different people so out of that calamity death of an innocent child because of the sin of a man and a woman god restored them restored them and david became a man after all god's own heart as a husband and as a father and he finished well that's all god is doing see we cannot go around change our past not that thing can do but we can change our future we cannot change our past repent forgiven under the blood nothing can do and the, the every action has a that is newton's law that is not god's law if you go by newton's law if somebody slaps at your cheek you should be slapping him back that is newton's law that's not god's law okay okay the why other wives could have been different the children could have been different that's they, they also made their own choices they also made their own choices Okay, so please understand how will we finish is a simple question god is asking how will we finish if you're looking at the trajectory of your walk today 23rd if i'm right of october what's the trajectory 10th month seven more days eight more days the month will be over we look at the trajectory of our walk am i drifting am i drifting from the word am i drifting from my prayer closet am i drifting from the church do i know how i will end bible says keep your eyes fixed fixed solution hebrews 10:23 and we will finish let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised is faithful okay when it comes to the future when it comes to the past the most important thing is peace you should always have peace about your past it is settled with god i can't do anything about it but god has settled it so i am at peace when it comes to today present the most important thing is faith is faith faith is the most important thing faith is the substance of things hoped for you're standing here believing and knowing you are saved that if you die today you know you will go to god's presence the most important thing today is faith when you look to the future the most important thing is hope is hope so you should always have hope hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering without wavering without drifting for he who promised is faithful faithful what did he say 
is the author and the finisher of our faith. You will finish, Lord. If I keep coming to you, if you keep on coming to you, that's Hebrews 7.25, he's able to save us to the uttermost. Right? Those who come to God through him, he's able to. That's why I thought I said, keep surrendering yourself. You will never know the day the altar hits you. You will never know. Because he's able to save you to the uttermost. Every day you go back and you go back and you go back and you go back and you go back. You know, you know something is happening? Something is happening inside you which you are not probably able to know. God is saving you. Saving you, saving you, saving you, saving you. And he's able to save you how much? To the uttermost. Uttermost. Hold on to that hope. Because you're going by faith. You're walking by faith and you're surrendering by faith and you have this hope. He can save me to the uttermost. Verses 19 to 23. So what should we do? Hebrews 10, 19 onwards. Yeah, yeah, same thing. 10 I had given to you. 19 onwards. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. What should we do? What is that? We should have boldness. We go back. Go back. Keep going. Doesn't matter. No. Why do we have boldness to enter? Because of the blood of Jesus. Okay. The blood of the lambs, the goats, the bulls only covered sin, so they had no boldness. They had no boldness. You know, whatever is covered can be uncovered. So they had no boldness. But we have boldness to go because when we go through Jesus, it is cleansed. It is no record is there. Even the devil looks into his, what, he, on his database to accuse, he's found, that also has been deleted. Oh, I've come here to accuse. He's got nothing, because it's been deleted. But that's what the blood of Jesus does. He can't do anything there. He cannot do anything. Therefore we have boldness. So God says, don't worry, keep coming back to me. Keep coming, do not leave your prayer closet empty. Come back to me, come back, come with boldness. Two places in Hebrews, again and again, is told, come boldly, confidently. Throne room of grace. Come with boldness. Where does our boldness come from? Because of the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus has primarily two powerful functions, unlike the blood of the goats. Blood of the goats, the problem, weakness of it, it covers. Second time, it covered also temporarily. Next year, again, you have to do it. Guarantee one year. The blood of the goats comes with the guarantee card one year. But Jesus is different. One, it doesn't cover, it cleanses. Second, forever. Forever. Okay. Imagine you committed a terrible sin and you repented, went to Christ, the blood of Jesus cleansed you from that sin forever. Meaning in that area, you have been made perfect. Removed forever. Removed from ever. Okay. Therefore, God says, you know what? Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep coming back. Don't be afraid. Because don't be an Old Testament saint who is afraid to go to God because of sin. He says, don't be. Be bold. Come come back to me. I will cleanse you. I will save you to the uttermost. By There is a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his. It's a new way. It's a living way. Why is it a living way? It's a living way because you can go back from his presence knowing that you are forgiven. Knowing that you are forgiven. You can go back with peace knowing that you are forgiven. 
Because the Spirit of God is in you. He's not outside. He's in you. He will tell you, you have peace with God. Don't worry, sir. Got peace. You messed up. You goofed up. There's nothing you can do, but you can have peace with God. And let me handle the rest. Let me see what I can do about it. Let me handle the rest. And then, verse 21. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Yes. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Okay, go back. Go back and see. You know, two things, he says. Let us draw truth with a true heart. Full of heart. Second, conscience. Third, our body. Okay, let me, this thing, you know. Let us say, let me give you an example. Let us say, you put your hand under the sofa and your hand went and went is a dead rat. Okay, everybody knows is going up. Okay, it was dead and what you call uh, decomposing rat. Okay, you bought the this thing, you threw it out, you used that all whatever, and you cleaned it out and you washed everything and you sat down for lunch. Would you eat with that same hand? He will say, today I will be ungrazy. Give me a spoon. You know why? Your hand is clean. You washed it 300 times, but you know what you touched. Right? You know what you touched. That's what I'm saying. But in the new covenant, nothing. When your bodies, the instruments of your bodies that you use to sin against God is cleansed. You don't have to think about that. It's, it's a complete cleansing that God does. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. Your heart, your conscience and your body. He says, I will do that work if you keep on coming back. That with the same hands God says you stole, you will be able to bless. Okay, Lord, give me a new hand, Lord, because this hand was used to stealing. God says so. The same hand that killed the hand of Moses is the hand that rescued. That is faith what does it. It changes you, transforms you completely. Therefore, God says, this is a solution. Solution is not drifting. Solution is keep coming back. Come back, come back, come back, come back. And verse 24, 25. Let us hold fast, yeah. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly. Did you see the context? One, stay close to God. Two, stay close to one another. Simple solution is always the same. There's no contradiction in Bible. Love God. Love your name. Stay close to God. Stay close together as one community. Fight, but stay together. And your issues will be resolved. Resolve your issues. We'll have issues. Of course there will be issues. But stay close. Stay close. Okay? You see, it's very, very consistent. Come close to God and stay close to one another. And second solution, Hebrews 6, verse 17 to 20. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Okay. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. 
where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. If you go to 19 and 20, the solution is there. You know what? You have to see, if you can see the videos of it, it is stunning. Okay, <clears throat> Even the big ships and the aircraft carriers, okay, these massive aircraft carriers, you know, they're huge, like floating cities. When they are in the sea, kind of stormy sea, they will let down their anchors. They have primarily two hangers. They, I think one of the aircraft carriers I watched, its anchor weighs around 350 tons. Mechanized, it is rolled out. Once these two anchors go down, the ship is steady. It is steady. Okay. God says, you know what? You can be steady. Okay. One, be tied. Okay. You want to be tied. One side, tied. Second time, let down the anchor. Let down the anchor. So you can be steady. Where is the anchor? Hope is your anchor. Go in to behind the whale. Don't stay and drift in the outer courts. People always drift. Don't stay in the outer courts. Don't even stay in the holy place and be an academic. Don't say, go behind the whale to the most holy place and cling to whom? To Jesus, the forerunner. He's there in the holy place. Cling to him. Cling to him. Cling to him. Like a child clings to, you know, when danger comes, a child, you know, clings to the parent or goes behind and hides and clings. They just go cling to him. That's your anchor. Be tied to the word, be tied to the prayer, be tied to the church, and be anchored in him. And he says, you will finish. You won't drift. You won't drift. Because God doesn't tell you the problem without giving you a solution. Okay. He gives us the solution. So be very, very, pay careful attention, or else we shall not escape. Please note, Quickly summing up, in chapter 3, he talks about the hardening of our hearts. A unbelieving heart that slowly departs from God. In chapter 4, he says, if you drift, you will come short of the rest that God has promised for us. In chapter 5, he says, otherwise you will always remain as children. Children. Never able to digest the meat of God's word. Never able to help somebody, exhort somebody, teach somebody. Because you are drifting, you are forever a child. Forever a child. In chapter 6 he says, after all this, if you fall away, it is impossible to bring you back to repentance. In chapter 7 he says, or the seventh one he says, finally, after all this, if you refuse him who speaks from heaven and willfully disobey him, then you have nothing left except to wait for judgment. Okay, so the book of Hebrews is an entire book of series of warning and solution. What is the solution? Stay firm to the word, to your prayer life and to the family of God. And second thing, be anchored to Christ, the person of Christ. Don't, because outer courts is fellowship. We love it. We love fellowship. In a holy place, it is the knowledge of God. The most holy place is the person of God. 
even to Moses, that is what God said. In the holy place, there will be this ark with the mercy seat between the... There I will speak to you. That is the important part. There I will speak to you. So go to the most holy place. Come there. There's nothing stopping you now. Nothing can stop you. Come through my son. Come there and lay hold of him. Lay hold of him. That's what David probably said without understanding. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry. Lest he be angry. Kiss the son. Come there and kiss the son. Yeah, that's okay. It's enough. Okay, we will pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just want to thank you, Father. We want to be careful, Lord, that we are not drifting. We don't want to be drifters in the kingdom of God. We want to be people with purpose. People who want to fulfill the will of God in our lives. We want to be people whose hearts are stayed on God and our minds are stayed on the people of God. Because we are all in the same boat, traveling in the same direction. We are going to be with you forever. Help us not to be drawn by the undercurrent of this world. About power, about pleasure, about prestige. All those things that pulled Lot away. That pulled Samson away. That pulled David. The undercurrent was always there. We are told to row upstream. Not go downstream. Against the current of the world. And I pray, Father, you will enable us every day. That we'll keep coming back to you. We'll keep coming back to your word. We'll keep coming back together as your people. And we will go beyond the whale and cling to you, Lord. And we will have hope. For you are the hope of our glory. You are the hope of our glory. Everything that we have is in you, Lord. And I pray, Father, we'll take heed. You will pay careful attention to all the things that we have heard and be careful to walk in it. So help us, God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We come in the rest of the day, the evening Q&A, the worship practice, everything into thy hands. Oh, Lord, we just thank you. Praise you, Lord. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.